Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. The finals are upon us. Tatum, Curry, Brown, Thompson, Smart, Wiggins, Horford, Poole, Celtics, Warriors. You can bet on all of the NBA Finals action with betonline.ag, and you can get a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up using the link in the description to this episode. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of The Take. It easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in everybody. It is June sixth, according to my count, six six, maybe the sixth hour of the day. However, and whenever you may be listening, we appreciate you stopping in here. We have another NBA Finals game in the books, which means we can have an NBA Finals podcast today, including a podcast for the second Monday in a row, unintentionally, with our friend Morgan from Australia. I really, really wish that the NBA Finals were being played in July like last year. If the NBA could just start their season in December, end it in July, I think that would be perfect for the NBA timeline schedule. Instead, I'm going to have to miss game three to take a final exam and the games that are in the middle of June. It's not like there's a lot of sports going on in the middle of June. I just really wish it would be in the summer so that we don't have two full months of time off. I just want to start off the podcast on that note here today before we talk about the Golden State Warriors thumping the living shit out of the Boston Celtics. Yeah, so it's going to be an NBA Finals heavy podcast. I'm sure Morgan and I will also talk about Donovan Mitchell a little bit later on as well because it looks like he may be on the outs with the Utah Jazz now that Quinn Snyder resigned to end the season. You know, a resignation that was kind of a resignation, but like also probably resigned in a firing situation. I'm not exactly sure, but... One way or the other, Quinn Snyder's not the coach of Utah, and this is how you begin to disassemble a team, because the core of the team's been the same for four years, and even going back to 2020, when they were coming back from the pandemic, and it was talking about how Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell don't like each other, and then the next year they got the one seed, and Rudy Gobert became unplayable, and they got bounced out in in the second round by Terrence Mann, and all of that stuff that we talked about with the Jazz for two plus years now on this podcast are now all finally coming to fruition with the possibility of Mitchell leaving. So similar to the Portland Trailblazers, where the Portland Trailblazers maximized their window the best they could, 
And then it was Terry Stotts was the first to leave. And then the general manager got fired, even if that firing was because of toxic workplace situations. And so then you move on from CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard's going to stay. But, you know, Damian Lillard's not the same player he once was. So you're not able to compete at the high levels anymore. So this is how things get dismantled. And it's starting for the Utah Jazz right now, even though Donovan Mitchell's under contract for three more years and Utah could play hardball on him but the argument on the flip side Donovan Mitchell's value has never been higher so anyways we'll talk about that more it's just fun off-season drama talk let's talk about the game because there was a game too we've got three days until the next game so we can talk more about other stuff like that Golden State Warriors beat the living shit out of Boston and it was such a fun basketball game The same way that game one was just such amazing basketball. That fourth quarter where it was three-pointer, three-pointer, three-pointer. Boston shot like seven of eight from three. They scored 40 points in the fourth quarter. And Golden State played terrible for eight minutes, but just that four minutes of basketball where it was just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. It was just such enjoyable basketball. And this game, too, was basically the same thing where... Since the Milwaukee-Boston series, and more like the back end of the Milwaukee-Boston series, like there were some really forgettable games in there where the the quality of play wasn't that good and, you know, Milwaukee struggled to hit shots and so it was just brutal to watch them try and go up against that defense. And not just Game 7, it also happened in Game 2, or Game 1 or Game... No, Game 1, Milwaukee won. Game 2, they got smacked around. And then uh, Game 5, Game 6, Game 7 were all just super-duper fascinating. And obviously, game four was the Al Horford magical game. But not since that Bucks and Celtics series have I had so much fun watching basketball as I've had watching this Boston versus Golden State series. Because both these teams have still decided we're just going to deny the inside. And Boston's, Boston lost that edge in part because Robert Williams got hurt and like had to leave the game. And they the Warriors were just able to work inside a little bit better when it was just Al Horford blocking the lane and, and Marcus Smart coming over for help, but Marcus Smart got in foul trouble during the game. But all of that to say, like, both teams have decided we're going to deny the inside and it's going to be a th- three-point shooting barrage and by the way this was the high quality of play the Warriors had in game one the Warriors shot 41% from three and shot 40% from the field in game one of the series Boston just happened to shoot 50% and 51% from the field and three-point range in game one so the Warriors were playing this game in game one which is why I'm not flipping up the pick yet on Golden State quite yet and and the honestly, the strength of Golden State is going to be that defense and what we're going to point to as the victory versus like Golden State being able to shoot 40% from three. Really, really remarkable. And also, it's the skill set that their entire success is contingent upon is that Steph Curry is going to shoot 44% from three. It's their, their success is contingent upon... Clay Thompson, I mean, he didn't do great tonight, but Clay Thompson normally will shoot close to 40% from three. But when no Clay Thompson there, Jordan Poole's going to shoot five for nine from three point, like he did in game two. And you're going to have Wiggins hit a couple of three pointers. And that's going to be the strength of the Warriors is a bunch of dudes shooting a bunch of three pointers. And if they hit enough of them, they're going to get to 110 points a game. They've set up an offense in such a way, like over years and years, because the thing I said about the Warriors is like this year's team 
kind of resembles the 2015 team if we're trying to like find a comp and what this finals feels like it's a reminiscent of the 2015 Warriors team where Wiggins has slid into the Andre Iguodala role and they've basically just picked up I mean I guess you could argue Poole is like Harrison Barnes in a way but like Harrison Barnes as great a player as Harrison Barnes was like they they've been able to find multiple Harrison Barneses in the time since he's left so like Golden State has basically slid Wiggins into the Iguodala role and basically picked up with the same cast of characters Draymond being an all-defensive player and the other guys being able to shoot well enough to beat you know a, a not so strong western conference and now beat the Boston Celtics in game 1 and possibly win an NBA finals even if like the 2015 Warriors team would have been like a one-time champion if not for acquiring Kevin Durant all the while is trying to say like the Warriors have built an offense that can get you 11 or let's say 110 points a game that's what that offense can generate if they shoot close to 40% from the field and volume shooting and all that stuff they can get you for if they shoot 40% they can get you 110 points and that'll be pretty consistent as long as they shoot that well and in one this is the interesting part about Boston is like so Boston's defense can deny or Golden State can just miss shots like as great as Boston's defense is Golden State has said okay we've got Steph Curry and Steph Curry doesn't need to get in the paint in order to make a difference on Robert Williams or Al Horford Steph Curry hits those floaters from the free throw line he doesn't even need to bang around bodies and oh you're going to draw coverage up here with our screen and roll let's dump it inside to Wiggins let's dump it inside to Draymond like the Warriors have figured out how to break that Celtics defense just enough to create respectable shots inside Boston's still playing pretty good defense in the first two games They've done enough where it's like, we can get enough points inside with Steph Curry and our system where guys just slide back door or whatever it is. So the Warriors scored, what, 109 in the first game, 107 in the second game. Flip over to Boston's performances and you'll start to see kind of where this series splits a little bit. And honestly, like, I know the Warriors are are still the favorites to win and I don't, I mean, I didn't really pick this series, but like... I said the Warriors are slight favorites, so the Warriors will probably win in six or seven games. And not bailing on that mid-series of Golden State's going to win, Boston has the ball in their corner, it would appear, for this series because they can deny Golden State points and they'll be able to win. But offensively for Boston, it's like a night and day situation through two games. And I know we're playing small sample sizes here, but this is kind of the thing everyone was talking about with Boston for a while. Like, it's... They're going to beat Milwaukee by 20 in Game 7. They're going to get up by 13 against Miami or whatever it is. And then sometimes they're going to have 36 points in a quarter or 36 points and a half. And Miami's going to be up 25 in Game 3. Like, so we can go stretch this out to a larger sample size on Boston. But basically with two games, it's like 120 points for the Celtics, shooting 50% from the field, 51% from three. And then the next game, they shoot the exact same number of threes as the Warriors and just can't hit shots inside, which is a testament to Golden State's defense inside. Like, Draymond Green had an awesome game. Even Steph Curry, like, I know Steph Curry's not the best defensive player, but Steph Curry played well. Wiggins was guarding Tatum for for majority of the game. That's going to go down as Tatum's worst plus-minus in his entire NBA career. Minus 36 for Tatum was his worst plus-minus. And it's not like Tatum played bad either, like... 
Tatum offensively had 28 points, shot 40% from the field, and shot 6 of 9 from 3. Like, where everything else fell apart was Robert Williams, Marcus Smart, and Al Horford had 6 points when those guys in the first two, what, first game, Marcus Smart had 24, Al Horford had 26. Like, those dudes just, uh, Derek White had 21. Like, that was the strength of the Warriors, was the Celtics said, let's bang bodies inside. Let's get shots inside. Three-pointers not going as well as the first game, and, and they, they were giving us the three-pointers. Warriors make the adjustments of get them to the basket, deny inside. It's not going to be, it, Tatum can beat us this time. Tatum can try and beat us. It's not going to be everyone else. We're going to force them inside. The Warriors completely changed their strategy, and it worked. And that's like a mid-game adjustment situation. And Boston, Boston just didn't shoot or didn't play offense well. That's the easiest way to point to there. But like that's where the ball's in Boston's corner at this point. Is you know how to break the, down the Warriors' defense. And Tatum in this game was given was given shots and took them. The the problem for them was like Horf. I mean, there was a lot of problems, but specifically, Horford only took four shots. Marcus Smart took six shots. Robert Williams, one for one. Grant Williams, two for two. Like, they just weren't even taking the shots in this game that they were taking in game one, which is really interesting as a strategy because it was Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, go to work. Can you beat this? Can you get to 110? If just you two, ISO, mid-range jumpers, three-pointers, even though Jalen Brown was three for nine from three, like mid-range, three-pointers, driving to the basket, and Tatum in foul trouble for a little bit, but not like he lost a ton of... I mean, he only played 34 minutes, but that counts garbage time. But, like, you guys driving inside, can you, with mid-range jumpers and trying to go up against Draymond Green, can you two in isolation beat us? Can Tatum one-on-one beat Wiggins? And Jalen Brown... Jalen Brown's kind of been guarded in weird situations, but, like, can you go inside and beat... Jason Tatum. The other thing that's a testament to the Warriors is like every time I watch the Celtics, it feels like the Celtics are just getting so many offensive rebounds. And this time that didn't actually happen. Boston, this whole game, it felt like, oh, missed shot, boom, Looney's got a rebound. How many rebounds did Looney have? Let's box score that because I just have a vibe that Looney had a lot of rebounds. No, he only had seven. He was the leading rebounder, but he only had seven. Draymond had five, Curry had six, Wiggins had six. All that stuff. Uh, Yeah, all that stuff. So I've done enough of that analysis here. I'm sure we'll have more coming up here. Turnovers, free throws, all that stuff. Or we'll just make jokes with Morgan from Australia here on the Take It Easy podcast. Hello? Hi, Kyle. Hi, Morgan. How are you? I feel very, very good. Probably better than you. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Just just a little bit. Uh, uh, it has nothing to do with basketball, but yes. Yeah. That also it, sucks. It can also be both. It can be that you feel under the weather and that... No, no, I just feel under the weather. I don't care about the basketball. You don't care about the basketball? <laughs> Well, no, because like if somebody said to me at the start of the series, you can walk away from the Bay Area one and one and go home, then I take that. I agree. I have no qualms against that for sure. 
Uh, so I, I have I don't no. Think, I think just yeah, cut and run. Let's go home. I also have no problem just going all the way back to game one so we can talk about what happened there instead of focusing on how the Warriors dismantled you guys. But the Warriors didn't do anything different than game one. It's just the Celtics offense was worse than in game one. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I, I, game one was great to watch. It was lots of fun. <laughs> It's lots of lots of fun watching Al Horford just all over the place, just Al Horfording everywhere. Yeah, just looking damn pretty all over the court. Just being Al Horford, leading scorer yeah. of a finals of a possible finals champion. Hmm. Stop saying that. Wait, I mean, he w- everything went Eastern very badly. Wait, wait, everything went very badly after you started talking about us winning a champ. Oh yeah, yeah. So for people who are who don't know this, because obviously, why would they know our Twitter DMs? Um, we were talking mid-game and figuring it out. I was like, I'm very happy for you, even if you won't accept the joy that the Celtics are probably going to win the finals. And then you responded, no. And then I said, if the Celtics win this one, I'm breaking the rules and switching my pick mid-series. And then uh, right around then, I think it was like right around halftime when I sent that. So the Warriors were up two at that point, and then by the end of the third quarter the Warriors were up 23 yeah so you were to blame for that yeah I'm sorry but also not sorry because again apparently I'm a Celtics hater so yeah it was a very coordinated effort by you to do that to us um to undermine the Celtics correct I can live with that I don't stand for it but I can live with it. The reverse jinx is in full effect all the way through and through. Can you stop, please? Stop reverse jinxing the Celtics. Stop, just, just stop getting involved. Like, just shut up and watch. <laughs> just shut up Let and them watch. Dribble. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny also. I So before you came on here, I did like 15 minutes of post game talking about like, Warriors have constructed an offense that as long as they shoot around 40%, they can guarantee themselves 110 points. And it's like a well-oiled machine. So it puts the effort on the Celtics. Um, And then I saw the stat that was just like Horford and smart had 48 points in game one. And in game two, they had four. And I think that was like, Oh yeah, that, that probably does it. That's, that's probably the only analysis you need. They won game one by 16. They lost game two by 30. I think that's all the analysis you need. Pretty much. Yeah. I did 15 yeah. minutes of hardwired deep analysis. And I'm like, well, the reason is just because the Warriors dared Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to beat him with mid-range jumpers and layups. Hi, I'm here. Okay. Yeah. Hello. So tell me what you did at 15 minute analysis. I did 15 minutes of analysis on the Warriors offense being a well-oiled machine. And the fact that the war, if you're listening to this podcast, you just heard this about how the Warriors have constructed an offense because like basically what they did over the past couple of years, like post Kevin Durant was they like slid Wiggins in for um, they, they went back to what they knew, like for all the jokes about being light years ahead, they slid Wiggins into the Iguodala role and then basically have Jordan Poole in like an, an array of like strength in numbers shooters. And Jordan Poole even can barely play on the floor at the same time, but they basically just created the death lineup all over again, slid Looney in for Bogut 
and pretty much just recreated the 2015 Warriors again, which like they had so many different options that they could have done. Like they had, well, first of all, I mentioned like they, they had the worst draft pick of the last four years in drafting James Wiseman over LaMelo Ball. I know people are saying like James Wiseman's fine. I'm like LaMelo Ball's an all-star at 21 and he was right there and people were arguing you should pick him and you took Wiseman over him. But they basically, instead of like reinventing the wheel, they just went back to the team from 2015. And they basically have over seven years concocted an offense that will score 110 points as long as they shoot 40% from the field. And they did that two games in a row. And then on the other side, the Celtics in the first game hit like 51% of their threes. And then in the and the Warriors basically said, it's not going to be Tatum. It's not going to be Brown. It's going to be everyone else that beats us. And then those guys beat them. And then they changed the strategy. And then Tatum and Brown, I think combined shot like 50% from three, but they just tried to hit layups and two point shots the rest of the game. And it didn't work. <laughs> Sorry. So, okay. Yeah. That's pretty much exactly what happened. Um <laughs> And also, it feels like every time I watch the Celtics, they're just always getting offensive rebounds. And this is like the first game that I felt like that wasn't happening. Like yeah, first time since like even the Bucks series that <laughs> they they just aren't getting a shit ton of offensive rebounds. Yeah, t- today wasn't the day for that, and that's okay. Swings and roundabouts. Yeah. <laughs> like, I it, it's terrible analysis, but like just cut and run, I think, from the Bay. And I think that that's what we did midway through the third quarter. We were just like, okay, we're done here. Let's just end this and go. Every shot. Because by the third quarter, they just gave up on running their offense. Like the thing that they have like infinite credit for. I don't even know if it's like the best strategy or not, because sometimes bailing on the offense and just letting one player do hero ball works, especially when you have Jason Tatum. But like they basically said, ah, fuck it. We're just going to like get, try and shoot as fast as possible. And Draymond was just doing really good defensively. And like every Warriors three that they hit was just like, ah, fuck, ah, fuck. Well, I guess yeah. pack it in. And then Poole hit those two and at they, the end. And and it was like, no like chance. Like that was just, uh, that was hitting them from everywhere at the end. Yeah. So I give them infinite credit for sticking to the offense in game one, but also the Warriors just gave White and Smart and Horford and, uh, I guess kind of Grant Williams, but like just gave those guys wide open threes and said, it's not going to be Tatum or Brown that beats us. And then they came into this game. They're like, well, what if we try and let Tatum and Brown beat us, but take away everyone else and just deny shots inside. It kind of worked just a little bit. It just took everyone else out of rhythm and Robert Williams getting hurt in the middle of the game. That didn't help. No, it did not. I mean, defensively it didn't help, but like, I don't know. It, It turned out fine. Robert, I think Robert Williams is going to be fine. I think you'll be okay. But yeah. yeah. That's pretty much the the gist of that analysis beforehand. Because like, yeah. Warriors played the same game twice. Warriors looked exactly the same in game one as they did in game two. It's just Boston hit a shit ton of shots in game one. And the Warriors had like 20 blocks in game two. And the Celtics had a shit ton of turnovers. But the Celtics are going to have a shit ton of turnovers. That was one thing I'm laughing at. Everyone like screams all the time. If the Celtics just don't turn the ball over, they'll be great. I'm like, no shit. Every team that doesn't turn the ball over is going to be great, especially at this stage of the season. It's not that easy to just not turn the ball over against the Warriors defense. 
yeah, <laughs> if the, if the Sonys just weren't shit, that'd be great. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> like, what kind of response is that? <laughs> if Marcus Smart and Robert Williams were just totally ineffective on offense, then they'd be fine. But I, know. I it, it's not a great way to go home, but um, it's fine. I think it's fine. <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, you guys are totally fine. You guys are probably if if people had to redo the series odds, I think the Celtics are either like even or maybe even slight favorites at this point. I think we should be. I don't know. I like. I understood why the Warriors were favorites coming into the series. I like, didn't yeah. at all. No, I did. Like they, they are a, at least a. I joke all the time that the Warriors had a better defensive rating than the Celtics by like point one, but that was more semantics. Like the Warriors are a top five to ten defensive team, and an offense that like eighty percent of the time can guarantee you a hundred points. That's really hard to beat, especially for the Celtics. Who like again, I know I was wrong about the Celtics, but like the Celtics aren't a special team all time. They're not like, oh, they have this thing that no other team in the league has. I mean, they're really, really good. You have to be really, really good to get to the finals. But it's not like they have this special thing that's unguardable. No. But you don't really have You can be like just average good and make the finals. The Miami Heat did. Yeah, but it's hard to find another example after the Miami Heat, though. Like the Heat are one of the weakest teams to make the finals in the last 15 years. Absolute weak sauce. Yeah. The NBA is weird like that, though, because like the thing that I realized is like for those three years that it was just Warriors and Cavs, and I'm excluding the last Cavs run because like 2018 was just LeBron going hero ball and carrying them to the finals. But like those 2015 to 2017, like the two best players in the NBA were Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. And for like at least one of those years or two of those years, they were on the same team and LeBron James and Kyrie Irving were the two best players in the Eastern conference. So like, of course they were going to make it to the finals. Like they're just, they're those dudes. They're that crazy. And I guess like, I'm just accustomed to that now. Like with the Miami heat teams, it's like the two best players in the sport were LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. And they were on the same team. So, like, of course they were going to make it to the NBA Finals. And I just don't think that anyone ever really recognized Kyrie as being the second best player in the East. That, that was not a thing. Nobody ever. No, people didn't. But in hindsight, it's, it's like, painfully obvious that he was. Yeah, but no one ever called him that. Like, no one gave him any of that respect then. Yeah, because all the best players of his generation were in the West. And that was just a weird coinkadink. Because think about that generation. It was Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Damian Lillard. Uh, who else is in that? Paul George. I guess he was in the East Damian for a Lillard, while. Damian Lillard is currently in Melbourne. Exciting. Oh, that's pretty cool. You going to go meet him? Yeah. No, I'm not a weirdo. <laughs> he went to the football here on Friday night and he went to the Cambosis fight on Sunday. Who would be the, I, I think was that's just, why he's here. For boxing? Yeah, there was a big boxing fight here yesterday. Oh, yeah. Didn't didn't one of the people fighting get interviewed on Levitard? Yeah, I think so. The American guy. 
Ooh. I mean, I didn't, I didn't listen to that episode. I just saw it. I skipped through that part and just went till to what I found Del Dia. Uh, I, I don't, I think I missed it or I must have fallen asleep because I didn't hear it. But the, the guy he fought was Australian. Cool. Boxing analysis from Morgan. Yeah, Boots that, on the ground. That is, um, yeah, that's correct. Um, my lab, my analysis from Melbourne, home <laughs> of currently Damien Lillard. <laughs> Dome of Damian Lillard for the next three days. Who? Because I'm thinking like the next closest person. Oh, I was doing it in my head. Like DeRozan was the next closest person to like LeBron and Kyrie. <laughs> like the Eastern Conference was just not really good at that time. I mean, the Eastern Conference hasn't been good for 20 years. But where was yeah. Kawhi? Right, he was in the Western. Well, Kawhi, yeah, 2019. But like by 2019, the 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 generations were passing the torch between. KD and Steph to to the Giannis generation and Kawhi kind of snuck a championship in there. Kawhi doesn't belong in a generation. He's just Kawhi. Generationless. Yeah, no. Jason Tatum's going to be like that too because Jason Tatum's not quite Luca, but he's not quite Giannis either. He's gonna he's gonna be generationless as the as the torch passes between the two of them over the next couple I like of years. To, I like to call him timeless. <laughs> Jason Tatum is timeless. timeless he's he's like Kobe more. Bryant. Yeah, it's like Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant doesn't belong to a generation. Yeah, let's, but also, let's not continue yeah. the comparisons between them. It's very annoying. Bomani brought up a great point, which is like he's in the Kobe model of he he makes shots, but he just takes really hard shots. Like he just he takes so many difficult jump shots. He makes a lot of them. That's why he's amazing. But it's just so many yeah. difficult shots. It, it it doesn't need to be that hard. <laughs> it doesn't, but it still works. Like I don't I don't think could, cha- I think could, it's, surely there's a more efficient way. Like it could work better if it wasn't so hard. He is super efficient because he makes the difficult shots. It's just the skill set that he's been like refining across thousands of hours over the last like ten years of his life. Oh, it's that mumbo mentality. <laughs> yeah. And you wouldn't ask for anything different. I guess you would, but you live with it, you yeah. die with it. That's why I thought you said die with it. I don't know if you it, talk about death it. It's why I thought yeah. Jason Tatum was a tier three star coming into this year. But then again, Devin Booker's the same thing, and I said he was a tier two star. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, you were wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. It was close though. Was close. Just had to flip the two of them around. And Devin Booker did make the finals last year, but also Phoenix is probably going to go down as one of the weakest teams to make it to the NBA finals. I mean, this whole generation is just because there's no super teams anymore. All these teams that make it to the finals, just because there's been super teams for 15 years. From here. Mm hmm. Hmm. You're you're big on um trying to trade Aiden though, aren't you? Uh, depends on the price. Like if they're gonna trade him to like Portland for like Nurkic, I wouldn't do it. But if if you can get like Rudy no, you, Gobert, you would trade him for Gobert. I would trade him for Gobert. I don't know who has to add extra picks to that trade, but I would trade him for Gobert. Uh, who else? I mean, I trade him for a player better than Gobert. Gobert's like the line. If you can get a Gobert, then then you're good. 
Um, but like, if you can't get anything better than that, like maybe don't trade him unless you want to just get a bunch of picks and then like wait for another star to come available. No, I don't. I think they're in the win now mode, aren't they? I mean, I guess so, yeah. but they kind of have they, to. They, they got Chris Paul at 400 years old. They don't have a wait and see mode. Well, yeah, I think their problem is just that there's almost nothing they can do to get back to finals level good. Okay. That's kind of their, their problem. Except for play better. Yeah, play better. But even play better now, like the Clippers are going to be back fully healthy. The Nuggets are going to be back fully healthy. The Clippers have not shown anything to say that they will ever be back or fully healthy. I, yeah, that's a totally fair point. But Kawhi Leonard's still that bad man. And you give Kawhi Leonard two full years off. Just saying. He, I know I know Kawhi's been injured a lot. He's still only 32. Doesn't guarantee a championship, but it guarantees being better than the Suns. I don't, I don't think it does guarantee being better than the Suns. Kawhi at the Clippers has not shown at all that he's better than the Suns. I mean, uh, well, he uh, hasn't. I mean, yes, by final results, yes. But for right before the COVID pandemic happened, they were the second best team in the NBA. Right before the world completely changed. Yeah, they just never got a playoff run of them being the second best team in the NBA. Well, they did in the bubble, but then they absolutely threw up on themselves. But so did Phoenix this year. Yeah, well, we've all been there. Phoenix was Phoenix was the second best team in the NBA this year, and they threw up on themselves. I thought Phoenix was the best team in the NBA this year. Oh, that's totally fair. I they totally you could have said that. I just think Milwaukee was better because like Milwaukee beat them in the finals and then didn't change any of their team. So Milwaukee I, yeah. was not better than Phoenix this year at all. In oh, I think I think so. I think in hindsight, like you know, hindsight twenty twenty, I think Milwaukee and Boston were the two best teams in the NBA, and the Warriors yeah. right there also. You overrate you overrate Milwaukee so much. It's hilarious. They're so good. They're, They're so good. They're not. They're cowards. They tried to dodge the nets. It didn't work out for them. Hater. Fuck right off. Hater. No, they're they're cowards. First of all, you, that was so you just, overblown. You just, you just absolutely let your love for Giannis cloud your judgment. Like you're so no. not impartial. No, he's the best player in basketball and historically best player in basketball means you're one of the best teams in the NBA. And in the absence of any dignified super team. Yeah, I thought Milwaukee was the best team in the NBA this year, and they proved it over and over again. They just lost Chris Middleton and then lost to Boston in seven games, but they totally a series they totally could have won even without Chris Middleton. Not saying that they should have won. They just could have. <laughs> Boston totally deserved to win that series, but like. They were they were down their second best player. So what? Like they're not the best team this year. They're not even in the top three. I mean, in hindsight, maybe not just by how the results played out, but like the whole year, I'm like, Milwaukee is the best team in the NBA, and I've seen no evidence to point to the contrary, other than just but me now being you have. Now you just, have. You've seen a whole season and you've seen finals. No, I've in the top three. even even them losing to Boston. Like my problem was that I was just disrespectful to Boston. It wasn't that I was wrong about Milwaukee. It's just Boston was amazing. And I was just stupid. 
I wasn't wrong. Like Milwaukee was just, they ran into a team that I thought was like the seventh best team in the NBA, but was actually the second best team in the NBA. And then without Chris Middleton, they lost. Maybe Milwaukee's not the best team in the NBA. It's just semantics between one, two, and three because there's no like bona fide super team. Like if Milwaukee, again, we did this podcast already, but if Milwaukee hits seven more three pointers, and Giannis Antetokounmpo shoots eight more free throws, and they defend Boston two more better shots, or and whatever. If the Boston it is. Celtics didn't turn the ball over, like yeah, if all of that magically happens and the Bucks win that series, the Bucks are up 2-0 on the Warriors right now, and the Bucks are going back to Milwaukee, getting ready to win the championship. Now we're just it's doing ridiculous. sports radio. <laughs> it's just ridiculous, like. If everything that happened didn't happen, then of course it would be different. But none of like it's just absurd. They're not even in the top three best teams this year. Process versus results. Yeah. Okay. So I'll go with results because that's how we judge things. Sure, but like then you're saying that like the Hawks were you're the third best on, team last year. No, I'm not. You're judging it on your like biased eye test. Well, it's like not I, a- I, 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 I just get a vibe that they're the best. They're not. It's not that I got a vibe consistently for the past three years. They've been the best team in the NBA and they literally didn't change anything about their team this year. Like I'm, I'm just using a representative sample size. That's like larger than even 82 games. Like since 2020, I guess even since 2019, yeah. they've they been the best team in the NBA. Anything. They didn't change anything and they got passed. I mean, yeah, they got passed at the very end by Boston, but like those two teams were super yeah, so that, evenly that, matched. That's how a race works. So it doesn't matter if you get passed at the start or you get passed at the end. If you get passed, you get passed. But you beat a, a lesser version of the Bucks because they didn't have Chris Middleton for the entire we series. We beat the version of the Bucks that was left. Yeah, it's that a, version of the Bucks obviously is not the best team in the NBA. So sorry, that's what you had left. So that's not an indictment fault. of Milwaukee. Milwaukee just didn't have Chris Middleton and they still went seven games with the second best team in the NBA. Yeah, amazing. But did they win? <sighs> they didn't have Chris Middleton. The, 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 the team that they had this year was not the best team in the league. It was the best team when they're fully healthy. But they weren't, Kyle. Like These, these games are not played on paper. I know that, but I'm doing the on books for the best team on paper. Well, that's a bloody no. They weren't the Brooklyn Nets are the best team on paper. I'd argue Milwaukee was better than Brooklyn. Uh, Of course you would, because that's your narrative at the moment with your Giannis love. Oh, uh, yeah. Now we're just doing sports radio at this point, and it's fun to sometimes do sports radio. It distracts from not having to talk. (laughs) Say something. Say something about it. <laughs> uh, is Danny Ainge going to trade Donovan Mitchell to the Celtics before game three? Yeah. That's a real sports radio segment. <laughs> Long range, Danny Ainge. <laughs> what a power move that would be if just this is a long play for Danny Ainge to give the Celtics a discount on Donovan Mitchell. A long, a long range play for long range Danny Ainge. Yeah. Yeah. The White Knight. He must be loving it. He must be loving it over in Utah. I don't know. I that would he would be a first. Very few people ever say that. <laughs> first and last. Yeah, very. He must be loving it over in Utah. Why? 
literally why <laughs> because he's a Mormon. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you get to run a basketball team that's it's not the Boston Celtics, but like could be worse. You're right. Yeah, it could be. Utah Jazz are like Utah Jazz are like the San Diego Chargers of basketball. Like eh, it could be worse. <laughs> like the seventh best Western conference team of the last 20 years. It's not terrible. But it's not great. Good from far, but far from great. Yeah. Could be worse. You know, there, there are worse places for Danny Ainge to go than Utah. Could be like uh, Joe Dumars who like won championships as a general manager of the Pistons. I guess he won a championship like champion guy who put the Pistons together. And after he left there, where'd he go? The Kings. Yeah, he could, could be worse. He could be in Orlando. <laughs> be with the Rockets. Yucky. Yes. Yucky. But at least they have a lot of draft picks. Could be with the 76ers. <laughs> Yeah, that was something that's shocking. If you had to guess right now, do you know how many Eastern Conference teams have made? So there's obviously 15 teams in the Eastern Conference. Do you know how many have made the conference finals more recently than the 76ers? No. It, how many do you think? And if you don't know, just do the be a good teammate and do the Stugats thing. So eight. It is 11. Wow, that's huge. Yeah, only three teams have made the conference finals less recently than the Philadelphia 76ers. And they would be? Well, who do you think? The Magic? Nope, the Magic made the finals in 2009. Oh. <laughs> give you a good one, the New York Knicks. The Knicks. <laughs> yep, the New York Knicks. Um, Atlanta? No, Atlanta made it last year. Remember, third best oh, team yeah. in the NBA, according yeah, to your sorry, results. I, I blocked that out. <laughs> when the Knicks like Atlanta, the Knicks. Atlanta also made the conference finals in one of those LeBron years, too. Yeah. No. Atlanta are terrible, though. Just, yeah. just, just, just always and everything. But they're still riding, getting that number one pick with Dwight Howard once upon a time. They're still benefiting off of that because they flipped Dwight Howard for Vucevic and then they flipped Vucevic for Franz Wagner. (laughs) (laughs) And now whoever they pick with the number one pick. Okay, I can't breathe right now, so you're going to have to feel. Okay, well, the second team on this list is Charlotte. You can combine Bobcats and Hornets together, but... Charlotte has has not made the conference finals more recently than the 76ers because they've literally never made the conference finals in their entire the franchise history. Well, the Pels are in the West, so we're just Wait, doing Eastern. Well, that, that just upsets me. Why are they in the West? I don't know. Because all these teams are on the East Coast. <laughs> it's just, just how the NBA likes it. Keep going, can't breathe. That's totally fair. Uh, the last one is the Wizards. Washington Wizards continuing their great sports team. Yes, Washington should have made a conference finals one time, but your beloved Isaiah Thomas stole it from them. <laughs> IT4, I love him. 
IT4. Uh, no business making that conference finals, but it was magical and we all loved it. It was very fun. It was magical. It was magical. All right. Nice if you need more fill time, I can talk about Donovan Mitchell. Go right looks, ahead. Because <laughs> it, it looks like Donovan Mitchell's going to get the uh, going to get his way out of Utah at some point. Maybe not this year, but at some point. Because woof, they are uh, they're in that place where you just missed your window, and so now you kind of got to break it all down. Because I mean, you could just continue to be the same team and fall out of the playoffs eventually, or you could try and get maximized value while you have it. So Utah is either going to like be the eight seed next year and just run it back with a lesser version of themselves. Cause they're not going to be able to find a coach as good as Quinn Snyder, or they're just going to trade Gobert and or trade Mitchell, try and do the, the OKC thing and just get as many picks as you possibly can. And then just try and trade for another star down the road. You either maximize value while you have it, or you just ride it out <laughs> with the guys that you have just be the Minnesota Vikings of the NBA. That's the crossroad they're at now, which they were probably already there, but just Quinn Snyder leaving makes it all the more obvious that that's where they are. Yeah. They just ride it out and just be an average team. Then eventually trade Donovan Mitchell. Cause I assume his value is going to be fine. Gobert's value. I don't know, but you either just be the Minnesota Vikings or you burn it all to the ground and be Oklahoma City. Seems like there are two options. I think they'll burn it to the ground. I don't know what they'll do. I hope they get good value for those guys. Like if they could flip Rudy Gobert right now for like five years of DeAndre Ayton, like that's, you're still going to be middle of the pack, but like you just get a younger center. Like you had 10 years of Gobert. If you can turn that into 10 years or seven years of eight, and it's not terrible. Or you could do far worse. No, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You could be like, uh, I guess the Pelicans who didn't get jack shit for Anthony Davis. New Orleans is always getting screwed. Yeah. New Orleans had so many picks and they wasted all of them. They like gave up one for Steven Adams, then had to give up another one for Valanchunas. They drafted, uh, well, no, they traded one for DeAndre Hunter and then they drafted like Jackson Hayes, Kyra Lewis, uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker. Like they just messed it all up. They did get Brandon Ingram at least, but like trading Anthony, when they got all of that for Anthony Davis because the Lakers were desperate, I don't think they thought they would just waste every single other thing besides Brandon Ingram. And then they had to trade another pick to get CJ McCollum and Josh Hart. And Josh Hart. Yeah, don't forget Josh Hart. <laughs> yeah, they had they got Josh Hart in that Anthony Davis trade. Yeah. He's now wondering if he should change numbers in Portland. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The no, I think Memphis. Who got that draft pick this year? I think New Orleans's Lakers pick went to Memphis, which is a big old L for New Orleans. Let's see yeah, what massive. was it? Yeah, that's a big old L NBA draft order. I don't think they thought the Lakers were going to be so bad that uh, they weren't going to get a <laughs> that they weren't going to get a top pick like that. Uh, that's a big time L. Um, Oh, no, it looks like New Orleans still gets to keep their pick. New Orleans still gets the eight pick in this year's draft. 
hopefully that works out for them. <laughs> they get another chance to mess this up again after trading for basically Brandon Ingram and two first round picks. That's what they got for Anthony Davis. Could be worse. Could be better. Would be much better. Yeah. The Utah Jazz <laughs> could be better, could be worse. You said that is that their motto? <laughs> yeah. Utah Jazz. At least we're not the Kings. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Maybe. <laughs> Utah Jazz. At least you know some players on our team. Oh, gee, Utah. Yeah. Utah Jazz. Remember we were a one seed just 12 months ago? <laughs> Utah Jazz. Six straight playoff appearances with no second round <laughs> without making it past the second round. That's so bad. That's a terrible stat. I disagree. I disagree on that because not everyone can. You're Utah. Like, not everyone can win a championship. That's like. I was asking make, you to win a championship. I'm asking you to win one series. <laughs> okay. They did. They, in fairness, they won two the series. Can. The Knicks did, they, didn't they? Yeah. In fairness, they made the playoffs six straight years. They won two playoff series. Okay. So they beat Memphis last year in the first round in a 1 8. And then they beat the Clippers. Is that Gordon Hayward? I can't remember who beat the Clippers. Someone beat the Clippers. And then they lost to Golden State in the next round. They've been supremely disappointing. I'm like, we can absolutely say that. Well, they used to be overachievers. And since then, they've just been disappointing. I have a joke about Utah that it's like, so... The first run that they had, they like beat the Clippers and it was shocking. And then they like lost to the Curry and Durant Golden State team, which is like no shame in losing to them. That's totally fine. You, you it's, yeah, it's, fine. It, yeah. it's okay. The next year they lost to that Rockets team that was the number one seed. And um, they almost uh, beat the Warriors, but then they shot over 27 in the, in the finals in the last game. Um that year, so they they faced MVP James Harden the next year. It's like you know what? No shame losing to MVP James Harden. It's fine. Like you made it to the second round. Good for you. Then they lost to the Rockets again with like less than MVP James Harden. Just like still fine. Um, the next year they lost to Jamal Murray, which is woof. No right. Yeah. Then the next year they lost to Terrence Mann, <laughs> I was which like, is even no greater. <laughs> Like, Jesus Christ. Then this year they lost to Jalen Brunson. I was like, come on. Anyone, like now did it's anyone a put out a missing persons report for Terrence Mann? Or did he stay in the bubble? <laughs> I have a name. There's a lot of people. We should, we should come up with that list right now. Who are the missing people who are still trapped in the bubble? Who are those bubble heroes that we haven't heard from since then? Because my mind went immediately to Norman Powell. Blake or Andrews? <laughs> yeah, her too. Nor- Norman Powell shot like 55% from three in the bubble because of sight lines. Uh, yeah, Terrence Mann, uh, Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero, he, he had a song with Jack Harlow. He was carrying the heat to the finals. I know he won sixth man of the year, but like people were talking about he's now more he's, valuable than James Harden. Now he's cheated on Cartier and she's left him. Yeah. 
So who, who else is in this like PSA of people missing in the bubble? I feel like Frank Kaminsky belongs in here. Jimmy Buckets is coffee. What, what did he call it again? He called it something funny. I can't remember what it was. Was it Big Roast? Whatever it was. Uh, it was Big something. Yeah. Big Face. Big Face Coffee. Yeah, the, the really the expensive coffee that, that stayed in the bubble. No, it wasn't expensive. It was twenty dollars, no matter what size you get. Small, medium, large. It's twenty dollars. Yeah, well, that is expensive. Twenty dollars is expensive for a coffee. Yeah, I know, but all these dudes were mostly millionaires. Um, oh, who was that one guy who got thrown out of the bubble um, because he invited someone to his room? That that guy, we've just never heard from him again. God, what oh, was yeah. his name? Lemon Pepper Lou. <laughs> Lemon Pepper Lou, yeah. Lemon Pepper. Oh, Daniel House. That's who it was. Daniel House. Mm-hmm. What happened to old Daniel House? <laughs> it was Daniel with a U. I remember that. Uh, oh, Daniel House plays for the Utah Jazz. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder we haven't heard from him. <laughs> Okay, who else is on this? So we got Jimmy Butler's Coffee. We got Daniel House. We got Lemon Pepper Lou. Uh, who else did we have? Tyler Hero. Um, Terrence, Terrence Mann. Mann. Terrence Mann. Yep. Malika uh, Andrews. Malika Andrews. <laughs> Frank Kaminsky. Frank Kaminsky's in here. Oh, gosh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> did tony parker make it to the bubble I, maybe he was retired at that point but like there was that one tony parker charlotte year <laughs> did that overlap with the bubble i can't remember uh i just feel like the pandemic happened and then tony parker was just gone <laughs> that's how i remember it <laughs> hmm. no he retired a year before it but still uh it was a, it was a weird year <laughs> Oh, fun times. Fun times <laughs> in the bubble. Pretty remember that though. fish? Remember that fish Ben Simmons threw that didn't hit water? <laughs> <laughs> he threw a fish he couldn't even hit water. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, that, that fish. I remember in there somebody too. learning one of the Boston Celtics was learning to swim. Yeah. Who was yep. oh it was Taco Fall, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Taco Fall is doing swing lessons, yeah. This one doesn't technically count, but like Cody Zeller's entire week on the Levitard, I think that was just the end of Cody Zeller's career, was just just the pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if Cody Zeller made it to the bubble, but I think Cody Zeller's career basically ended there. I think the last time I saw him, he was on Portland. I don't remember. I feel like he just, he left Charlotte, and I feel like he was somewhere for one year. Uh... Yeah, he was on he was on Portland last year. He played 27 games, <laughs> averaged five points a game. Wow, that's huge. He's still in the bubble. Yep, Cody Zeller still hanging around. On the list. Put him on the list. <laughs> <laughs> We're starting to write these down now. So we had Norm. <laughs> we had Hero. We had Malika Andrews, uh, 
We had well, we had Tyler Hero, uh, man, Daniel House, Cody Zeller, Lemon Pepper Lou. Yep. Okay, Cody Zeller, Lemon Pepper Lou, uh, Ben Simmons, Fish. (laughs) (laughs) Not Tony Parker. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to write down specifically not Tony Parker. Is there anyone else whose career just ended in the bubble? Should we count KCP? Because KCP went from like hated on the Lakers to like all of a sudden third best player on a championship team. Yeah, I think KCP counts. Okay. Cause like KCP was around last year. Uh, Oh, how about Montrez Harrell? Yeah, yes, yes. Because Montrez Harrell got like, remember, I don't know if you remember this, but like that series that you are uh, that Denver like came back from 3 1 against the Clippers. Like Montrez Harrell got like benched in that series because he's just so bad defensively. And that was like the only good thing he had going for him. And I think he got a contract from the Lakers, but like basically that was the end of Montrez Harrell was that Clippers. Kawhi Leonard shooting a shot off the side of the backboard series. I think we got a pretty good team here. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of who else we had on the list. Let's what, see. So, be on the list. point guard Malika Andrews. <laughs> uh, then we got Terrence Mann, Tyler Hero, Norman Powell. Daniel House, Cody Zeller, Montrez Harrell. Oh, I know exactly who the coach is. I know 100% who the coach of this team is. It's 100% Brett Brown. <laughs> I like Brett they, Brown. They knew they were going to fire him in March, and then the pandemic happened. They're like, sorry, you got to come back and coach like six games, and then we're going to fire you. <laughs> Or Australian, oh, and maybe even former Australian coach Brett Brown. Yeah, got to got to have the Australian representation by association. We, we, we had we had Ben Simmons's fish. <laughs> yeah, I think the fish by association is Australian. It's an Australian fish. <laughs> yeah, if you told me Tony Parker was Australian, you know, French. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know he's French, but like, oh, they were Francais. You could. Could theoretically. There was a time earlier this year that Norman Powell was the leading scorer on the Portland Trailblazers. I think we've established the Portland Trailblazers are not very good. Yeah, I mean they weren't good last year, but they, they did they did the right thing because they get like the number seven pick in the draft, so they, they tanked to get the equivalent of Wendell Carter from this entire season. I don't think Norman, Norman Powell got traded to someone. I can't remember who he's on now, though. Oh, he's a Clipper. Well, there you go. Well, the Clippers Clip are coming, more... you told me. What? You told me the Clippers are coming back. Yeah. No, we're carried by Norman Powell. If Norman Powell's your fourth best player, you got a pretty good team. Norman Powell being the fifth best player on a team won a championship. A team that also had Kawhi Leonard. Boom. Clippers going to the finals next year. Are we still making norms? 
I, I know his dad was Norman Powell too. I think no, I don't think his dad was Norman Powell, but his dad had a weird name too. Uh, We're not still making norms. Yeah, no, his dad was Norman Powell Senior. Okay. Okay. We're not still making friends. No, I think Norm McDonald was like the last age group where we were making norms. I think we. I think we might still. We might still be making Freds. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Freds or Freddies. I feel like we are still making those. I think we're making Freddies. Yeah. I think we're making Freds and Freddies. Maybe not as many, but we're still making some of them. Okay. Was Fred Van Vliet in the bubble? Did we lose him in the bubble? I think we lost him after the finals last year. Okay. Our finals in 2019. I think that was, I think Van Fleet, because Van Fleet got like, no, Van Fleet made the all-star team this year. Van Fleet's fine. Van Fleet's good. Van Fleet made the all-star team. <laughs> yeah, only because it's a fan vote. <laughs> yeah. That also, it was pretty hard to find 12 people in the East. <laughs> As much as we say the East is the best conference now, it, it was a little hard to find 12 in the East. Well, not really, because like Adebayo didn't make it, did he? Yeah, but he, just because he was hurt all year. That was part of why it made it difficult. It's a fan vote. Uh, fans don't care. But the fans only vote the starters. Van Fleet got in as a, as a regular. Regular. Yeah. Let's see who else. So the reserve, well, I guess you had a, uh, Trey Young. So you got Trey Young, uh, Jarrett Allen. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a rough year in the East. Jarrett Allen was an all-star. That was actually a replacement for James Harden, but still. Uh, LaMelo. Then uh, you had Zach Levine, Darius Garland. They just decided to put all remember when the Cavs were like the third best team in the East and they got like two all-stars. That was weird. Wasn't it? And then Van Fleet. Yeah. That was junk list. Yeah. It was not great. But hey, we can good for five seconds. What? I said, but hey, the Cavs were good for five seconds. Yeah, they got two All Stars this year. That will never stop being funny to me. The Cavaliers got two All Stars this year, and the Miami Heat got one. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's really dumb. I think the Boston Celtics only had one, but the Cavaliers Boston had Celtics two. Boston Celtics had one too, but we, we weren't <laughs> melting over it. <laughs> nope. Boston Celtics had one all-star, but the Cleveland Cavaliers got two. Yeah, but we didn't have a meltdown like they did. Theirs wasn't a meltdown. Theirs was a market correction. They weren't actually that good. The Miami Heat. No shit. Yeah, Miami Heat too. Miami Heat too. But I said the Miami whole way, Miami had Heat. A cry. They had a cry about the fact that they only had one. Yeah, but the Miami Heat were always like the fourth or fifth best team in the East. I just thought Boston was also the fourth or fifth best team in the East. That is incorrect. No, it was it was incorrect at the very end. I get to be proven wrong. Yep. 
Yep. Well, I know. So, so who wins game three? Uh, let's flip a coin for it. (laughs) That's that's the best I can do. I still think the series is going to go long, so like whatever, it'll be. So do I. Let's see. Oh, here's a quarter. Instead of flipping a nickel, let's flip a quarter. Uh, Do you want to call heads or tails? Tails never fails. Tails of Celtics, please. All right. It is tails. Yeah, boy. It means the Celtics will win and the Buffalo Bills will lose. (laughs) Yeah. You know who would actually be fun to get uh, Donovan Mitchell? Because I know uh, people are talking about the Knicks and the Heat and uh, all these teams pursuing Donovan Mitchell trades. You know who would be really fun to get Donovan Mitchell? The 76ers. I disagree. I can can understand that. Uh Anybody but them. Okay, that's fair. Who would your be who would be your preferred destination? The Boston Celtics. <laughs> For Grant Williams and a first rounder. Derek White. <laughs> Just straight up. I, yeah, you know, you know <laughs> Boston race Boston racists would just be like, no. Straight no. swap. Danny Ainge, make it happen. No, don't give away our whites. <laughs> I, okay, so so Boston's one of the teams. I know we're just doing like off-season topics after the finals, but like let's send Boston's, in Peyton Pritchard. They'd like that, wouldn't they? They'd like it as much as the guy who. Well, which would they like? Well, this is an interesting question for Boston. Did they like the white running backs or the running back named White more? Do they do they like the white shooter or the shooter named White more? No, let's send them Peyton Pritchard. Send them Peyton Pritchard, uh, and if they ask for more, decline. Yeah, correct. <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. T- and tell them they have to give us Donovan Mitchell and a pick. <laughs> How, okay, but then you have to throw in Aaron Neesmith again, the guy who you yeah, drafted. Neesmith, correct. Before Tyrese Maxey. Uh-huh. And Sadiq Bay. Whatever, man. Yeah. Uh, you guys are in the fun place right there with that trade. Cause I'm like, so let's say that to, to trade Donovan Mitchell in actuality, they have to trade Jalen Brown. Like that's the centerpiece of the trade. You might be better. Might not. If I were Boston, I'd just roll with the guy you have now. I don't think it changes very much, but. I don't think they're the team that needs to spice things up. I don't think Donovan Mitchell for Jalen Brown makes them noticeably better. It might no, make them a little bit the guy better. I bought you there. I think we'll just keep Jalen. Yeah. That, no, I don't think there's any chance that Mitchell's going to Boston. It's just funny because of Danny Ainge. The same one that that'd be funny for is the Clippers. It's like you could trade Donovan Mitchell for Paul George. I don't know if it'd make you better. I don't know if it'd make you worse. It'd be fun. But would it be fun, really, Paul George? Paul George for not for Paul George. <laughs> no, it would not be fun for Paul George. It'd be really fun to watch the Clippers if they had Kawhi, Donovan Mitchell, 
Marcus Morris and Norman Powell. Yeah, that'd be super fun. And Terrence Mann. The missing man. Bubble man. <laughs> the missing man. There's other fun ones you could throw in. Like, would the Cavs give up Rookie of the Year Evan Mobley for Donovan Mitchell? Even though he didn't win Rookie of the Year, but he was still, like, top three. There's fun games you can play with that. Basically, it's just... Huh? I'm here for fun games. Who isn't? Yeah, we're doing our best here, which is let's do every possible trade scenario conceivable for Donovan Mitchell because that's how content works in the NBA. I also complained last week on one of our lowest rated podcasts ever. I just want something spicy to happen in the NBA. Like a top 10 I player. A, I, I thought that was such a lame podcast. We like, I just want something spicy to happen. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. My team just made the finals. Like, not, this is spicy enough for me. I'm good. Yeah, but I'm just a general NBA fan. It's all the same teams from three years ago, and none of them are super teams. Like someone mean? make things spicy. Give it get, just one new storyline. It doesn't have to be even be like they're guaranteed to make the finals. Just something that like yeah, give me storylines. A guy yeah. that thought was a, top, a third tier player is maybe not a third tier player. There's a storyline for you. Yeah, but I can make that storyline happen. It's not spicy enough for me. I want spicy changing teams just because that's what I'm used to. That's how that's how oh the NBA is worked the for fucking Brooklyn Nets three weeks ago ruining everything. Yeah, I know, but like in hindsight, we know now that like James Harden and Ben Simmons weren't top ten players when they got traded. Like even last year when James Harden got traded from Houston to Brooklyn, like James Harden wasn't a landscape. I mean, it was really fun for one year, but like in hindsight, it wasn't a landscape altering trade in the NBA. Okay, Kyle. Just just wait five minutes. Things will spice up again. I've I mean it's spicy now. I'm not complaining about the quality of basketball. I'm just like I I can't get invested in the storylines because they've all played out already. The Bucks have been the exact same team for three years now. I mean, they got because Drew Holiday they're boring, over once, Kyle. Boring. They're, they they're boring. not boring. They're just repetitive. They're and boring. it's super they're fun. Not, they're not spicy. They're boring. Giannis is spicy. Boring. Giannis He's is boring. spicy. The problem he is, is... He is when, meaty and boring. <laughs> no. Giannis is spicy. He's spicy boy. Greek is not spicy, mate. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Giannis is spicy. Uh, he's nice, lamby, big. No. But the thing no. is, Gian- I've seen it already. Giannis has vanquished all of these teams, and now he's lost to some of these teams. So just make it spicy. Just give me some. Put him with a better teammate than. I don't even know. I mean, I, they did it technically before. I shouldn't. The Bucks aren't the team I'm talking about in terms of needing to make things spicy. Just someone else make it. Boston doesn't need to make it spicy. Boston's fine as it is. That team doesn't need to change. Warriors don't need to change. Bucks don't need to change. Everyone else, you need to change. Just one of you. Just one of you do something. So that I don't have to talk Somebody about. Somebody do something. <laughs> yeah, just spicy. Just you don't want Lana, to do something. <laughs> I mean, technically, Drink it would have her. to. <laughs> no, Gallinari to the Nuggets. That would be spicy. That'd be Trae so Young spicy. 
I, I think it's not even the teams. I think it's the players. I think the players have to decide. I want to make things spicy because, like, the thing that happened in 2019, and I, you heard the podcast. You heard me talk about it. Like in 2019, everyone jumped to the place they wanted to go all at once, and then for three years, everyone was good. And like then Giannis and Embiid and Jokic, who are like the the faces of that new generation, Anthony Davis too, but like Anthony Davis switched in 2019 also. Like they decided, no, we're cool playing in the places that we are. We're cool being in Milwaukee. We're cool being in Philly. We're cool being in Denver. We don't need to team up with each other. And it just feels stale. It's the same team. It's the same league as 2019. And there's no super team. The life of bread needs to go somewhere else. The life of bread needs to go elsewhere. Yeah, but he's not going to do it. He's just content being the great player of his generation that has no chance of winning championships, which is refreshing to a certain extent. Sourdough, sourdough, sourdough. Time to go. It's just boring. It's like it's the Nuggets. And the Nuggets, by the way, I think the Nuggets, if they get fully healthy and make one move, they're they're the favorites in the West next year. But that's just because of how good Jokic is. Like Their problem is that Jamal Murray's been gone for two playoff runs. Michael Porter Jr. was out this year. So like they they ha- they can do better. They can trade for Donovan Mitchell. No, they can't trade for Donovan Mitchell, but no, they theoretically can't. they could. They could trade for Bradley Beal still. They should have done it two years ago, but you can still do it now. I just I, I wish too someone late. too late, Carl. That's not even late. the spiciness that I'm talking about. Like Bradley Beal going to the Nuggets would just be like, oh, the Nuggets are going to be contenders in the West next year. And that would be different just because we haven't watched the Nuggets do anything meaningful since the bubble, but they have the second best player in the NBA. So like at least it would make the Nuggets and cl- like I'm just I'm just praying for the Nuggets and Clippers next year to spice things up. Because like if not, it's just gonna be the Warriors running through the West again. And we're going to talk about LeBron all season because the West isn't actually that good, but they actually have the second best player in the NBA. The problem is Jokic just needs a, just needs something just needs not an absolute yeah, tire I'm not fire. T- I'm of not a talking about LeBron all season. No. no way I'm talking about LeBron all season. That's why we need Kawhi. That's why we need Kawhi to come in here and, and swoop in and win the West or Jokic to come in here and swoop in and, and take down or at least compete with golden state. At least do something fun so that Golden State's not totally unchallenged. And by the way, the Suns were supposed to be that this year, and they fucking threw up all over themselves. Or Dallas, Dallas, just get somebody. Just don't don't get any. Don't just get volume scores. Like someone, one of these star players, decide you want to go play with Luca. I know Luca's a dick, but like one of you star players, force your way to Dallas, Ugh. please. I'll take shitty Levine. I'll take shitty Zach Levine. It's fine. Just give me something. Just give me something other than the best teams in the sport. Just, just <laughs> can you just pick for Zach Levine? That's pathetic. Just, it's the best we can do. Okay, we need we need one of the top five players of their generation to switch teams. We need either Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, Booker. Or Kevin Durant to switch teams. That's what we need this offseason. Just one of them. Just one of them do it this offseason. I'm fine doing the storylines over and over again. It's just going to be the same thing we've been watching for the last four years, though. And I'm cool with that when it's super teams. 
when it's fun, like the Warriors, which we're never going to see again in our lives, or when it's the Cavs and they're, you know, those Cavs Warriors finals were all so epic. I'm cool with it when it's that. I'm not cool with it when everyone's just diminished a level of play and we have to watch shitty series like Golden State Dallas and shitty series like Boston and Miami, even though game seven was fun. But anything you put stakes on is going to be fun. Like, just just give me something. Just give me something. That was something. Anything at all. I mean, not anything at all. We've tried anything at all. We tried it with James Harden and Ben Simmons. <laughs> it wasn't enough. We need, we need landscape altering. Okay, so <laughs> no, there are standards. It has to meet. It has to be either a top 10 player or a top like 25 player joining a top 10 player. So like Donovan Mitchell can be landscape altering if he goes to a team where he's the number two or number three. That's landscape altering. If Donovan Mitchell goes to a team where he's the number three option, that's landscape altering. If he goes to New York, it's not landscape altering. It's just recreating the jazz in another place. Okay, I get it. Yeah. It's like Zach Levine, go play with Luca. If you go play with Greg Popovich, that's going to be fucking lame. Don't do that. <laughs> I think Zach Levine is just so boring. Zach Levine's not a great player, but if Zach Levine's your third option, oh, you've got a really fun team that can compete with anyone. If Zach Levine is your Drew Holiday, oh, that's so good. You could be a championship contender. I don't know why people don't want that. That's what Zach Levine is. Yeah, of course, because Zach Levine plays on the fucking Bulls, who spent $400 million. No, the Bulls spent $400 million and three draft picks for one playoff victory. They're not going to win another playoff game. They might not even make the playoffs next year. They spent $400 million. They are good compared to what they used to be. (laughs) But that was the best version of their team with or without Zach Levine. This was the best version of that team was was what they did this year. And they peaked this year because they beat the Bucs in one playoff game. That was their peak. And they were the one seed for part of the season. And they gave Bulls fans something to feel at least a semblance of excitement about. Is either that or just go through a five-year rebuild again because they fucked up that last rebuild. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah. Do you, have you seen the list of draft picks they had? So basically, after trading Jimmy Butler, they drafted like Larry Markinen, Wendell Carter Jr., um, Kobe White, um, and then Patrick Williams. Uh, yeah, they they messed that one up real bad. <laughs> they did get Zach Levine in that trade, which was fine, but like, oof. They, they, they were just, they, they were headed to Sacramento Kings territory and they decided, you know what, we're going to spend $400 million and trade three first round picks for Vucevic. And we're just going to make the playoffs one time and win one playoff game, which I commend you for doing that. It's better. It's, at least they had something exciting to watch for one season before they go back to the one time. Yeah. 
before they go back to being the play in that before they return to the Greg Popovich Memorial 10 seed and lose in a play in game. Same well, thing the Knicks did. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's basically what the Knicks did. Knicks are like, what if we spend all this money and win one playoff game? Okay, I'm so tired of talking about these loser teams. Celtics in seven. Celtics in seven. Uh, well, if the Celtics are going to win game three, then I guess I'd, I'd start to join you over there. But, but you don't change you. your... Don't talk about it. You don't change your pick mid-series. I technically didn't pick this series, but I said going in, like, Warriors are slight favorites. So that means it'll probably be Warriors in either six or seven. So Warriors in six and a half. That's what I called it. Rooting stuff. So, yeah. Ticks and six. Ticks and seven. No. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.